How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I am your host, Jarrett Bernstein, and on today's episode, we have got industrialist tycoon Andrew Carnegie and country music legend Conway Twitty. Fantastic episode. If you want to check out the performers, you can check out Andrew Carnegie at the Magnet on his sketch team, Newport, or improv team, Thousand Foot Well Claw. Check out magnettheater.com for that schedule. Also, if you want to see Conway Twitty, uh, he is a member of the Story Pirates. He'll be on the Story Pirates podcast and also the album Backstroke Raptor. Uh, I am, of course, your host, Jared Berenstein. You can check out all my stuff at jaredberenstein.com. Freshest episodes of Famous Dead People every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Buy my book, The Kelly and Conway Technique. Rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. And uh, don't forget that the videos are are coming out. You know, we got uh, I think we got three or four up already. So check the Instagram. Check the Facebook and the uh, and the YouTube because the videos are coming out every Tuesday. Uh, also, if you want to come see me live, I am at Wise Guys in uh, West Jordan, Utah, this Thursday, July 18th. Uh, Denver Improv, I am doing stand-up there uh, from July 19th through the 21st. And I will be at the Providence, Rhode Island Comedy Connection the weekend of August 2nd. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Conway Twitty and Andrew Carnegie only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. People you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. The story stuck in the head. You're gonna hear all the even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are the Scottish-American business magnate and philanthropist often cited as one of the richest people in history, Andrew Carnegie. How's it going? I'm Scottish. And 20th century American country music singer, Harold Lloyd Jenkins, a.k.a. Conway Twitty. Hello, Jared. It's nice to see you. Uh, good to see you guys. Mr. Carnegie, Mr. Twitty, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. Oh, oh thanks, sure. man. That's pretty cool. Absolutely a pleasure. Uh, let's start off with you, Andrew Carnegie. So as I, men- as I just mentioned, you are... One of the richest people to have ever lived. Oh yeah, I made money. Uh yeah. At it, at its peak, your net your net worth was three hundred and seventy two billion dollars, adjusted for inflation. Uh, that's what I call steel magnet, baby. <laughs> You were, you were a, a silver and gold magnet. Oh yeah, as baby. Well. Pittsburgh loves my ass. Hell yeah. Uh, so, uh, but you had a very specific attitude towards your wealth. Uh, you wrote many times that man should not idolize wealth. He should not chase wealth. Men should fill their lives with love and art and education and use their great wealth for the greater good. Is that right? That's right, Harrod. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I keep it. We are keeping I, it in. I am hashtag humble, baby. <laughs> you know, I'm making bank. You gotta pass it off to the good people. Okay. Well, I mean, that's obviously commendable. I think that more. I hope that more wealthy people would do the same. Um, and uh, you made good on this promise, though a few years later than you originally said. You originally said that you would retire at 35 to begin your ph- philanthropy. You ended up not starting until you were 46. 
And this is obviously not a gotcha question or anything. I don't know why you decided to do okay, that. Okay, we'll see what happens but, when you say it, Jared. <laughs> but or is there I any Harry? <laughs> is there any particular reason why there for, why there was that eleven delay, eleven year delay in the start of your philanthropy? Sometimes you take big swings and find out that's too big a bat. Ooh, okay. So was there something specific that happened? Oh, or, just uh, like I need a couple of years of uh, me time. I mean, if you get keys to a hot Lamborghini, don't you want to take it on a test drive? For donating it to an orphanage. Okay, so at 35, you're like, wow, I have it, man. I got it. I got all the money that I need, and I'm gonna, I gotta start helping people, but. I don't know. Maybe a champagne shower would be uh, pretty fun too. I mean, sh- like that. I mean, I'm sure that's fun for different folks. But mm-hmm. your boy enjoyed a beautiful butterfly sanctuary. <laughs> you were hell yeah, baby! I built large. that butterfly sanctuary just for me. I had every type of butterflies, Why monarchs. You know what? Why don't we see that in rap videos? You know, it's such a fun like gratuitous, lavish thing to do. Why oh, don't we sure. see enough rap videos with rappers who are in their butterfly butterfly sanctuaries? Uh, I tried to record a rap video back in the day, but no one knew what rap was. <laughs> it's like, ah, Carnegie, I'm really enjoying this uh, spoken word uh, rhythm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what kind of 18, 1890s parlance they would use to describe that. Uh, you know, cocaine. I don't know. I'll cut that out. Uh, I, whenever I'm looking for something that happened in the 1890s, I just always assume they put cocaine in it because it was something that would put. I mean, we all enjoyed know. the shit out of Coca-Cola. Do you know when I was researching you, I saw on the Wikipedia that you your company owned more Coke than any other company, and I was like, that can't possibly mean what I think it means. And so I clicked on the Wikipedia for it, and it said that Coke was just another word for fuel back then, and I was like, hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah, baby, it's fuel <laughs> for the day. How you think I'm so nice? Oh, it because is. you're riding the white rails? Oh, what? I mean, the white rails I ride. Mm-hmm. That is frequently associated with cocaine. Is it makes people nice. It, uh, That's um, true. Uh, I mean, that also would explain, you know, uh, people that, people on, con- on cocaine, they tend to make a lot of sort of like grand, you know, uh, statements, you know? Oh, and a lot Lordy, of your, I do. A lot of your treatises on giving away your wealth, they, they, they ring a little bit like that, you know? It's like, we, we should be educating and we should be living in, in England and we should be giving our money away because money's bad, guys. All right, like, easy there, Harrod. You sound like you're on the green stuff. <laughs> this guy sounds like he's, he's uh, skiing the slopes, if you know what I mean. Ding dong. Now you, of course, Conway Twitty, you are one of those famous, uh, famous rock stars, country music stars that did not indulge in any of these uh, of these drugs or partying the way that some of your other contemporaries did, right? Well, I, I do like to say that I was high on life. High on life, Conway Twitty. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for, uh, you know. I, uh, you know, one of the things I did to relieve stress is masturbation. <laughs> it's all natural. It's free. It's free. It's something you can do with yourself in your free time. Just, and you, just it helps you unwind. And you know, if you do it right, you're not hurting anybody. Not hurting anybody. I, yeah. Well, certainly I Well, I suppose can make an argument could, against that. You could find the exceptions <laughs> to the rule, but I, I mean, certainly mean, in history, a, especially recent history, there are examples of people breaking that rule. Have but, you heard of hymns, ooh. folks? Hymns, folks? Oh, hymns. Anyway, oh, hymns. I'm cutting into Conway time. <laughs> I, no, no, I've seen the posters, but I'm not sure I understand what they What do you mean, are, hymns, actually. folks? Oh, it increased your... Your testosterone, and that is the end of my knowledge on that product. You mean the four hymns? The four f- hymns. That's it. Oh, hymns, folks. Hymns, that's folks. That's what you was actually it was. the name of my cousins. 
See, you turn your penis into a laser. I think, Conway Twitty, that what you were doing was, uh, I think, commendable. You know, like you had a vice. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was, it was uh, J-O-ing, and it wasn't hurting anybody, and it wasn't, you know, you weren't wrecking hotel rooms or anything like that. Well, uh, there was one time I had a particularly... Well, never mind. A, a, no, a particularly no point athletic or acrobatic self, uh, yes, it self-stimulation. Was a, I was on tour, and it, it sure was a stressful tour, and I just needed to unwind. So mm. I, I'm afraid I had to pay them a few dollars for cleanup. But what did that place look like afterwards? Wrecked is perhaps a too strong a term. <laughs> what did it look like afterwards? You ever seen a Jackson Pollock painting? It Disgusting. Was... All right, we're moving on. That's like a Jackson like Pollock that. painting if you're colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I believe he painted in white from time to time. It would be like a great installation. Like you walk into a Jackson Pollock painting, I'm assuming it was just everywhere. Uh, you, just be, you would be floor, correct. ceiling, windows. Yes. yes. Uh, but there are all these stories about you just being kind and generous, even at the height of your of your fame. I heard that at one of your shows, a woman had a heart attack and refused to go to the hospital until she heard the song "Hello, Darling." I did bump it up a few notches in the set. Well, list. you didn't play it immediately next. You bumped it up a couple. Well, of I notches? had to finish this this song that I was on. Okay, but, and then I did play it rather quickly. <laughs> I did normally it'd be sort of like. Hello, darling. Mm. Nice to see you. You know, oh, it's nice. Boy. You're just sort of a walk in the park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for her, I was like, hello, darling. Nice to see you. Sorry about your heart. <laughs> you better go get yourself to a hospital right now. Oh, I'm so glad that you changed the lyrics to be instructive. Sure. Like, you should go to the hospital. because Well, really... I do what I can. I mean, I believe that the fans are the heart and soul of the business. The Heinz are the heart and soul of the business. I, I will say I'm a humongous fan of your album that was purely instructional songs. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I... I always do love to meet a fan. Yeah, what were some of the other songs on that that were... I'm assuming that this heart attack incident inspired it, where you were like, I should do songs where I tell other people what smart decision would be for their lives, right? Well, I think the most popular track from that album is the one where I teach you to use basic household tools. Oh, fun! This here's a hammer, <laughs> and you use it on a nail, and this is a screwdriver. It's coming back to you. You, you recognize? Oh that? yeah, yeah. No, we were oh, just sure. getting into it. So I would say that I'd say that was probably the most popular. Mm. But then I also uh, how to change uh, the oil in your car. Fun, that's fun. useful for most. That people. one's a banger, man. That one's a real. And banger. then uh, one of my personal favorites, people didn't really get into as much, was uh, just marriage lessons and how to you know relate to your spouse. These were slower songs, though, right? That was a ballad. Yeah, and that, yeah. that might have been why it wasn't quite as popular. But also, I think that. My opinions have always been a little bit dated in that regard, so perhaps it just didn't have the legs. Wait, you mean dated like, um, like more of a sort of like a you know Andy Griffith show, like oh those were the days, let's all be nice to each other kind of inf- kind of advice or what? Yeah, sort of. I mean, <laughs> it was more about gender roles. I think have evolved quite a bit Ooh. since my time. I, I, I don't, I didn't ever say anything overtly, uh, you know, offensive. Or yeah, but I think it implies a. For example, you go back and watch some of those original Star Trek episodes. I mean, yeah. they're trying as hard as they can to be progressive in it, but it's still baked right into the 60s. Yeah, 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 you really can't. I mean, if it's it's part of the language, you're speaking that language still, even if what yeah. you're saying is nice. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that people would forgive you. Well, I certainly didn't mean time. to hurt anybody. You had yeah. your heart in the right place, yeah, you know? Right. I, I was trying my best. Yeah, but I'm sure that they, maybe they would be problematic. We call them problematic now. You know, if you're like, stay in the kitchen. Yeah, and why don't I go you make the my bacon? dinner right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> lady. 
I'm torn because the message is problematic, but, but the music so beautiful. the music is there, man. Well, and I didn't really intend it to be about all men and all women. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you have to ground it in a specific relationship. Ooh, okay. But I, I could see how it'd be heard that way. Yes. Uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm glad that we've all evolved. You know, and I mean, we still have a lot of progress that we need to make in 2019, but we're on the right track. I What's think. life for if not for learning? What's things? life for if not for? Hey, Andrew Carnegie would agree with that. Right? Agree with that you did. Uh, yeah, Hell you got the library. Yeah. You want to hop there. in any of the libraries with my name on it? <laughs> I was <laughs> astounded by the it's thousands of libraries that you that you oh, either yeah. founded or donated uh, vast sums of money to. All America's Midwest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to reiterate. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> and I know my steel would put a lot of folks out of work. Making those American Railroad put all those bricklayers out of a job. Mm-hmm. So I paid it forward. I made a little little projects, philanthropic projects. But again, always sure to put your name on that stuff. Because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> How do we feel about that? Wouldn't it be truly more philanthropic if you were like the, I don't know, the Batman of, you know, donating money where this be like, oh my God, there. There's uh, another library here who did this, and you'd be sitting there pretending to be like a playboy on the town, just be I like, mean, I don't know, it certainly wasn't me. I was getting drunk with these models, but meanwhile, wink, wink. Well, it coincidentally, was I would do that at all the ribbon cutting ceremonies for the for all those libraries. Oh yeah, I would be there, literally wearing a Batman mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even uh, before the character, before was the character had been created, I of was course. just a fan of bats. Mm-hmm. You wait, what? I was just a fan of bats. You just love bats and people people like let you get away with things like that when you're wealthy you know we're just like if you have that much money you'd be like eccentricity i mean you had to be aware of these these big ribbon cutting ceremonies mayors would be like i asked them to do this but they'd be like well it's a shame mr carnegie couldn't (laughs) be here today did you do the voice as well (laughs) well it's a shame that mr carnegie couldn't be here today (laughs) well i thought i was thinking of the batman yeah i thought maybe you would do like a did you have a voice oh they went dramatically enjoy your library (laughs) that that choice they made is very dramatically different mine was hello (laughs) it's a bad guy I oh, hope. where's that Carnegie fella? It certainly is memorable. Uh, man, yeah, people love that bat that would swoop in and... Stands uh, out. Hey. Probably yeah. closer to what you think of, of an actual bat sound. It probably like. is, yeah. That's really that cool. how I see. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, going back to Andrew Carnegie for just a moment. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your personal philosophy towards philanthropy, because I actually have a little bit of a beef with this. Oh, please. Uh, Harrod, you know, Harrod, you Harrod. did so many great things. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to object to this being my name on the episode. Uh, <laughs> You're the so one that wanted to keep it. You thought that it was best for wealthy individuals to be philanthropic philanthropic as opposed to the government being philanthropic through taxes and regulations. So my question, Andrew Carnegie, is what if, and I know this is a big hypothetical what if, like what if this could ever possibly happen? I am bracing myself. There was a rich person who decided not to be philanthropic to instead hoard all their money and use it for selfish purposes and maybe just hand it down to generations and generations of his family and never share that just so he has wealthy no uh, do nothing uh, you know heirs going it's, going generation generation wouldn't it be better the veneer tax, is so painfully to thin tax, on this metaphor to tax the rich so that philanthropic funds won't be just doled out on the whims of the uh, you know the point zero zero one percent of rich people that decide they want to be good to society. Well, sure, you may have a very <laughs> valid point that it's hard to regulate what is not 
amongst the people. Mm-hmm. Okay. But how else are people going to know that I'm a nice guy? <laughs> people need to know mm-hmm. I'm a real nice guy. So it really is just for the selfish aim of no! having of a rich person. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Andrew <laughs> Carnegie just disappeared, and we have just a man in a bat costume here in the oh, studio now. Strange I don't know how this happened. Uh, I see with my eyes. <laughs> And also, and also with your ears. He's musical too. I th- I hear a tune in there. Somewhere. Definitely. Uh, if, Thank you, if Conway. You're, if you're just joining I us, I wish I had brought my guitar. This is famous dead people on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 20th century American country music singer Conway Twitty. How did doodly do? And Scottish American business magnate and philanthropist Andrew Carnegie slash the original Batman. Wow. Well, what happened? I don't remember <laughs> where that bat guy was. I'm so happy that you're back with us today, uh, Andrew Carnegie. Let's go back over to Conway Twitty for just a moment. All right. Uh, so you were an extremely successful recording artist, four number oh, one shit. hits on the country music charts, country mm-hmm. music hall, hall of fame of all time, Rockabilly Hall of Fame. I'd like to ask you about your early life, though. You oh, showed right. a natural inclination towards music. 1943, at the age of 10, mm-hmm. you started your first band, right? That's correct. The Phillips County Ramblers. And so you were 10 years old. That was a nice ring to it. Was It certainly does. It's a good name for a group. Was everybody in that group also 10 years old? 10 years old. Okay, so you and a bunch of 10-year-olds, you were, you started this band together. That's right. Uh, and Our we, manager was also 10 years old. Okay, so you have a 10-year-old manager mm-hmm. as well booking you guys gigs? That's correct. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, he got better as he went. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it's so. a learning curve. <laughs> of course. There's a height curve there, too. <laughs> He was a preternaturally tall youth. Oh, okay, and that's that's probably why you Not chose to him. Pick nits. You, you chose him probably to be the manager because of his height. Then, maybe. sure, we dressed him up as an adult. Oh, with fun. a fake mustache, and you know what? People took him more seriously. Not to note you, but next time, uh, you could just put two of you, one on the other shoulders, and wear a trench coat. It works just as well. Well, yes. I, in my day, we had quite a uh, quite a bit of two kids in trench coats, and anytime it'd be a quick reveal of just pull the trench coat open, there's two kids. That one's foolproof. You open that trench coat, it's just a large human. That's just a kid in there. Plus, he gets a couple of points. Points for getting to act indignant. Mm, wait, what do you mean getting to act indignant? Well, somebody oh, rips somebody open. Say <laughs> here, and they rip open the coat. And oh, I beg your pardon, sir. I have to imagine he probably used that in a lot of contract negotiations. Oh, yes. You know, someone would rip open the trench coat. That's correct. It's just him, right? And then, he, then sometimes he'd be wearing, uh, you know, just a pair of boxer shorts. And, oh. And then he'd get to act embarrassed on top of it all. Or you'd be like, now you are a sex offender because That's... I am ten years old. And then suddenly, who the ball is in uh, is in Conway Twitty's court, right? That was a that was a card that we assiduously attempted never to play, <laughs> but I must confess we played it a time or three. Of course, I mean I'm sure you got a lot of great gigs that way. Well, we got to play uh, Radio City Music Hall. Not bad, and that That's was because right. of the trench coat. That trick? That was the trench coat trick. Very they felt so smart. darn embarrassed that they gave. <laughs> I will say we brought down the house. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was great. I mean, I would love to see a band that's just all 10-year-olds rocking, rocking away. Yep. Did you guys write songs, or was it all covers of, of popular songs We did a bit of both. I think as 10-year-olds, you need some sort of solid footing to get mm, started on. So okay. maybe launch with a few of the popular hits, and then we would uh, compose. Oh, what were, some of the, uh, what were some of the topics that you guys were, uh, were handling oh, as, a, as, a, as a band of 10-year-olds? Penny Candy. Mm. Um we stayed away from politics. I find that, <laughs> found it was incendiary. 
Let's be clear. We wrote a song once about riding a bicycle that I thought was fairly fun. Oh, that's pretty cool. But let's be clear. You guys were very uh, uh, knowledgeable about politics at the time, but you decided not to write songs about it because it would be incendiary. We were very active in politics as well. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Not unlike today, I think. There's not as many records of it because there's no social media, but Mm. people got quite hot hot under the collar. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm sure they would. Um, Fisticuffs from time to time. That sounds great. Uh, Let's go back over to uh, Andrew Carnegie. I'm sorry, did I bore you or is it just we moving on? No, No, I think your clear ethics were just very admirable. We need a moment to take in. Yeah, absolutely. No, I thought that you made an excellent point, and I was very happy to hear about uh, about this band and the kind of songs you guys were writing. Uh, So, Andrew Carnegie, uh, you were born in 1835 in Scotland to a modest family. Uh, Your father was a handloom weaver, and in 1848, when you were 13 years old, your family falls on hard times, and you decide, your family decides to move to Pennsylvania for a better life from Scotland. Do you know, I understand you're only 13 at the time, but do you know if there was a specific reason why your father chose Pennsylvania as the place in America to move and to try to try to uh, lay down some roots. Well, if you were anywhere in America at that time, you know Pennsylvania was the handloom capital of America. Was it? That's right. You want to see handloomers, you go to Pennsylvania. Did you say hand lube? <laughs> no, that was Mississippi. 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 Uh, well, we thought about it. Mississippi is still the hand lube uh, capital of America. Uh, so yeah, so everybody there, all the hand loomers were going there. Wouldn't that increase competition? Like, wouldn't you want to go someplace where there weren't hand loomers already, and then maybe you could, uh, you know, like corner the market in a different state or something? You know, you'd very reasonably think that, Jared, mm. but. The demand in Pennsylvania for hand-loomed objects was mm. phenomenal. It Off was, the charts. It was a little bit, of, it felt a little predatory at times because it felt like these are people with a dependency on having <laughs> hand-loomed things in their home. Name a few hand-loomed objects. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What, what, what are we talking about here? Hand-looming? Yeah, yeah. What do you hand-loom? Can't get a picture in that my That people would then desire so much that they would be like a crack addict for it. Rugs. Tapestries, Ooh, yeah. throw pillows, oh. mostly drapes, Oof. mostly those things. But there were, it sounds right, beautiful, and my father was quite good at it. There were some real hoarders level situations in a few spots. What do you mean? Like people just like c- collecting rugs and drapes, even though they had more than enough? I remember meeting a man that was all hand loomed objects. What do you mean? Like he was, he was, <laughs> that, that was his construction? Like he didn't have bones or anything? I mean, if there was a human part of him and had left and he was purely hand loomed things. <laughs> oh, that is a, a shame. He lived sort in a, a hand loomed house. Hand loom Borg. Mm, yes. Oh, that would be an apt. Comparison. It's almost like just when you do a lot of hand looming, you sort of like create extra demand for hand loomed objects. Yeah. And so your father's like, I'm going to get in on this on this game and I'll move my family to Pennsylvania, right? Oh, exactly. Sad stories out there. Mm, but I mean, you eventually get a job when you go to Pennsylvania uh, as a telegraph messenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you leave the hand looming trade to go work in telegraph. And you memorize, the Wikipedia says that you memorize all the locations of Pittsburgh businesses and the faces of the important men. Is that right? That's true. I was an ambitious young fellow. That's mm-hmm. why I got rid of my Scottish accent, because they hated the Scots <laughs> vehemently. Did they now? There was a lot of white racism back then. No Italians, no Scottish, no Irish, mm. that sort of thing. Yeah, and we, we were the ones that uh, were not fondly. So I threw away that Scottish accent to the point where if I tried to do one now, <laughs> it would be a hot mess and an insult to the Scottish You've people. You preempted my next question. Oh, okay. Well, that's a shame, because I always 
always ask my my guests if they had an accent before to do it for us, but you know, since you can't, as you mentioned, you know, I'm not I mean, gonna... I could try. All right. Well, I mean, just you know, if you feel comfortable, you know, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to pressure you. What did the old Andrew Carnegie sound like before he lost his accent? Well, it was uh, in quieter moments of being. Ha! <laughs> It's like a, it's sounds like a, painful. It's like a romance language. Well, I was just saying, I, well, I actually, in my Scottish accent, said, I love this company and you're both delightful men. Oh, oh wow. Very thick indeed. Mm, yeah, I mean, I felt that intuitively that that's what those words meant, just because it sounded like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Uh, let's go back over to Conway Twitter for just a moment. So, um, in addition to your early band work as a 10-year-old, you also had a radio show as well, every Saturday morning. Is that right? Yes, that's absolutely correct. And it, the, the Wikipedia doesn't say how old you were. Uh, I am assuming that you were pretty young then, too, right, sure, when you had yes. that radio show? I think we started that when I was around 12, 13 years 12 old. 12 or 13 years old. Okay, and so, like, what was what was the format there? Was it music? Was it talk? Well, have you, you, know. have you seen the television program Hee Haw? Uh, I, yeah, I'm familiar it with It was a similar format. We had some jokes and songs. And mm-hmm. We'd occasionally get a guest on to uh, answer some questions. Ooh, okay. Or take some skits. Gotcha. And so you're 13 years old, of course. 13 years of age. You probably don't have, like, that big of a reach. Like, you can't get the biggest, like, country stars or anything, right? Are they going to go on a 13-year-old's well, radio show? Well, you gotta, you got to start slow. Mm-hmm. But so, there wasn't all, there also wasn't the degree of content there is today. So, Oh, that's right. You know, we got a time slot that was not the most desirable, but there wasn't much competition either. So mm. so what else are you going to listen to at it's Saturday snowballed morning? a little bit, and that's correct. Yeah. Do you know, would you be able to remember, like, the biggest name that you got when you were doing this radio show oh, at 13 gosh. years old. At 13. I, yeah. I can't remember somebody from 13. We did have, eventually we got Jimmy Carter to come Jimmy on. Jimmy Carter? Oh, wow. Yes. Really? But that wasn't until I was a few years older. Oh, my God. So, like, a 14, 15-year-old uh, Conway Twitty had Jimmy Carter on his program. Yes, that's, that's absolutely that's right. That's incredible. Ask him about peanuts. Yeah. Oh, he was just a peanut farmer. Well, he was time, not yet right? president of yes. the United States. Of course. Of course, he had ideas. Yeah, that's incredible. That's Very incredible. Aggressive, guess. as a matter of fact, a little oh, really? shocking. Yeah, really. What, what do you mean, kind of aggressive? Well, I think people today imagine Jimmy Carter as sort of a, a gentleman, yeah, an he's intelligent a nice guy. man. Yeah. I, I'm not saying he's not, but at the time, he had a real aggressive, uh, you know, business streak, and he wanted to do things his way. And I think he threatened to hit my producer. In really? fact, really, yes. I'm not. I don't want to. Cause any fights. You know, I did read that Jimmy Carter was like a, it was kind of a vulture in the peanut farming community. Like he uh, sort of did to peanut farms what Andrew Carnegie did to the steel industry, mm. you know, just really monopolizing, taking over, you know, slash was, and burn kind of operation. He was friendly and soft spoken, but uh, you did not cross. Jimmy man. Carter. You did not cross Jimmy Carter. That is, uh, I think that was how he, that was his first presidential run. That was the, <laughs> the tagline, right? Don't cross me. You do not cross <laughs> Jimmy no Carter. No one did. He threatened us. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, what? He threatened, well, yes, he threatened people. I threatened us as the American people. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I'm yeah, a third-bred American, Harrod. <laughs> and you notice he did not get reelected. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. Too many people threats. have an instinct about this sort you of You get thing. more flies with honey, yes. Jimmy Carter. If you're listening, that's right. you get more flies with honey. Uh, so Conway Twitty, you were a pretty good baseball player as well. Well, I, uh, I, I'd like to flatter myself to think so. Yeah, but you uh, you were offered a spot with the Philadelphia Phillies after high school, but you got drafted into the Army to fight World War II. You That's served right. in the Far East. Yes. And you organized a group called the Cimarrons. 
to entertain your fellow officer. Is that right? That's correct. Because I, you know what? Contrary to popular belief, war can be fairly depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so well, I that's shocking. It, I always thought it was a good old time. Well, you hear so much about it. I think it's sort of glorified, yeah. like it's all fun and games. I mean, but the every, truth of the matter is, it can get fairly brutal. Yeah, every movie I've ever seen about war has just been like how much fun we have on deck. That's and, right. You know, camaraderie, brotherhood. No, yeah. oh, gee, shucks. I hate to go home and miss you guys so much. Yeah, the pilots are playing pranks but, uh, on each yeah, other. Right. Sure. Just tomfoolery and that kind of, you know. But uh, but yeah, so I thought, you know, let's lighten the mood here a little bit and we'll we'll sing some songs. Okay, so this is a, this is a band, the yep. Cimarrons. Uh, and That's and right. so you guys were, and I'm assuming that you guys were playing your songs like far away from, you know, enemy lines or were you guys trying well, to we didn't play them pretty much wherever, you know? Here comes Rommel, watch out for that tank. <laughs> He'll blow your head off if you don't look out, Frank. You know, that kind of, I mean, it's just simple tunes to get the toes tapping. I like how you included a little instruction in that. It really seems like that was your niche, especially yeah, well, later on in life. You know, you look, you look with your eyes and you write with your heart. And the two right. are connected and they ain't that far apart. Mm, I'm oh, assuming, so Frank is this guy, he is Well, he did, Italian. in fact, get his head blown off. It's sort of my oh. fault. I was singing that song and he was having so much fun he wasn't. Paying attention to the real tank about which I was singing. I see. He uh, maybe thought it was a metaphorical yeah, tank or something. Well, that would be very troublesome. Every time you were in combat, just singing songs, that was probably surely distracting. Well, it wasn't every single time. I'd say it's nine out of ten times. Nine out of ten times? Okay. Yeah, and every once in a while, things got so hot, you just didn't feel like singing a song. I see. And uh, how often would the songs that you were singing lead to some sort of war-based disaster, would you say? Well, now... <laughs> You know, you uh, a song right there. it's hard to <laughs> it is hard to draw a direct line of causality in every case. Well, sure, war but we tends can, to be. We could definitely say it's correlated, it's, though, right? It's full of of uh, unthinkable disasters in which the human form is reduced to so much ground meat through mm, a grinder, pulp. But yeah. I'd say almost every single time. I oh my god! Wow. Yeah, that seems like it might have been too dangerous of a choice. Sort of like once the, in a uh, while, things seem pretty quiet until I started to sing, and then. <laughs> Everything went pear-shaped, as they say, across the pond. Yeah, suddenly everybody knows your position somehow. Yeah, somehow. I, I, I'm just thinking of that just now. That's mm -hmm. that, Maybe that may have something to you. I that. think you it's know, bizarre you're still alive. Yeah, I mean, say, what magic? I mean, were, did anybody in the band ever get, uh, <laughs> get wounded or anything? <laughs> well, that's, that you well, didn't so you survived the war. <laughs> yes, we should mm -hmm. say, we should say. Uh, did anybody in your band ever get wounded or... Or, uh, oh, sure, sure. Yeah. We'd have impalements and all sorts of uh, flamethrower-related injuries. Oh, flamethrower? Uh, landmines, torpedoes. Sometimes torpedoes that just fall out of the air. And you think, well, what the heck is going on there? That's you know, not supposed to be up there. I absolutely Boom. do not blame you. I think that your commanding officer probably should have put the kibosh on this. You know, I think he should have seen what was going on. He should have seen how de destructive it was, what was going on. Yeah. And he should have said, you know what? Let's just do the music after the fighting is well, over. Well, you can hear how good it is. You're thinking of something else when that song's going on? I'm not. He's probably just clapping and snapping himself away, too. They, they were enjoying themselves, for yeah. sure. And, you know, they appreciated that I always like to keep it clean. Mm, yeah, I, I'm sure that as a commanding officer, that, that's something that you uh, that you respect and you know that's going to keep your troop together. Uh, we've got to take a short break. We will be right back with Andrew Carnegie and Conway Twitty on Famous Dead People Stay With Us. Oh, 
Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts, rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends, all that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBaronson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 20th century American country music singer Harold Lloyd Jenkins, a.k.a. Conway Twitty. Hello, Jared. Nice to see you. (laughs) And Scottish American business magnate and philanthropist, often cited as one of the richest people in history, Andrew Carnegie. Oh, money is a nice... I'm sure it is. Uh, So I got some more bones that I want to pick with you, Andrew Carnegie. Oh, do you? Got a bit of a gotcha question coming up, so so prepare your pantaloons. Well, how much is it a gotcha question if you've prefaced it as a gotcha question? Um, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter if you know a gotcha question is coming or not. It's the content that's the gotcha. You know, if if I told you exactly what the question was beforehand, maybe that would be a little... Less of a gotcha. Okay, I was confused, but appreciate you walking me through that. You're welcome. It's like if somebody says, I got a surprise for you, and then they kill you. Like, you don't know that that's what the surprise is. You know, there's levels of information. But please don't kill me if that's what you're going (laughs) to do. That wasn't the plan. So, uh, you know. don't telegraph it. Yes. Uh, So, you... When you were 18 years old, you get hired by a man named Thomas A. Scott of the Pennsylvania Railroad Company. Scott takes you under his wing, teaches you about cost control and management, and also helps you with your investments. And this is a quote from the Wikipedia, quote, Many of these were part of the corruption indulged in by Scott consisting of insider trading and payoffs. So, Andrew Carnegie, Mm -hmm. didn't exactly... Pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Didn't use your business acumen. Oh, no. Didn't use your education to work your way to the top. This was all a bunch of double dealing that was in place before you even got there. Maybe. Right? Yeah, maybe. Come on, Andrew Carnegie. Maybe you caught me doing something bad. <laughs> Come on, Andrew Carnegie. Stop oh, relishing did, in this. Did you catch me when I was a little corrupt there, Jared? Andrew Carnegie, come Come on, man. You should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, I'm so ashamed you amassed of what so I much did. money through double dealing with your friend Thomas A. Scott and his goons. This is crony capitalism at its worst, and that's the reason why you were uh, uh, able to amass such great wealth. Is that not the case? No, oh, I you I well, I <laughs> guess you're right. I guess you caught me breaking the law. I mean, to be fair, this this sort of thing was very hard to police back then. I'm not even sure if they were against the law at the time. I think that once you guys amassed all this wealth, people were like, I don't think we should let people do this anymore. You know, is that sort of like, was that, I mean, you were alive back then, so you tell us. What was the attitude 
back then? If people knew what you were doing, would you have gotten in trouble? Well, consider it like farting in a crowded room. Sure, it ain't illegal, but you know it's going to hurt other people. Mm, I see, I see. So, yeah, maybe I was a little bad boy sometimes. <laughs> okay. Did you, was there any point when you were like, you know what, I'm just going to go straight to straight uh, businessman, no more double dealing, no more insider trading? Or was this something that you consistently did throughout your life? Depends on if you caught me or not. <laughs> you scamp. I cannot you, stay mad at you. You're a little stinker. I'm you sorry. Uh-oh, my hands are dirty. Now, you did. Uh, you were part of the war effort uh, for the Union during the Civil War, so we can't be too mad at you. Uh, you know, let's flip a coin those days, though. Yeah. <laughs> So, Whose uh, hands were truly clean and all of that? Uh, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm sure it was a, it was a complicated time. Uh, so you, for example, like you reopened rail lines that uh, the Confederates had cut. Is that right? Uh, that's true. Kept the bloodstream going for the Union. That's great. So now, were you were you all scared? Like you're that maybe the Confederates would attack you for trying to, you know, for fix these uh, fix these rail lines into D.C. or. I mean, of course you're scared, but you gotta fight the good fight. But mm. I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe a bunch of guys coming in hanging out for a while might have been nice too. Wait, what are you talking about? I don't know. I mean, I know we just talked about the horrors of war a little mm -hmm. bit, but I don't know. It might be fun to get to meet some new people. You saying the Civil War was different than every other war, and that it was like, if if you did see some Confederate soldiers, they would just kind of hang out with you. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. Get to meet new people. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they have violent intentions. Maybe their ethics are terrible. But mm -hmm. you get to meet somebody new for once. Mm -hmm. I mean, hey, and not a lot of people look at war in that fashion where you're like, oh, you know, could be new friends, could be enemies, but you never know until you meet them. Strangers is just what a friend you haven't met. Lots of new faces. Did you meet any friends in the on the opposite side when you were fighting in the uh, in the Pacific Theater during oh, World War II, Conway Twitty? Sure, sure. I, I, there was a couple of uh, German soldiers that I think are more or less our counterparts. I mean, they like to sing on the other side. And one time we all stopped. I said, hey, that sounds like some music coming from across <laughs> the other side of the trenches there. And it turns out we all end up having a big old sing-along. I mean, I didn't speak too much German at the mm -hmm. time, but darn, they were pleasant fellows. Oh, that's nice. So, so you guys had like a little bit of a... A little bit of a, a, a jam session, you That's and a couple right. of German soldiers. We took a coffee break about every hour and a half. We mm. just put down our weapons. That doesn't happen enough in war. You know, no, there should be doesn't. more breaks in war. No. Just to, like meet the other side. Hey, it's exhausting. Everybody needs to take you clear your head a little bit and just catch your breath. I completely agree. Back to the carnage. Yeah, absolutely. Cyril, uh, so, let's talk about Conway Twitty. Your um, after after you get back from the war. Uh, you know, you do all this early work as a musician when you're 10 years old, when yes. you're in the army. Yes. Uh, but it's not until a neighbor named Wayne House suggests that you could make it in the industry that you decide to give music a go. Is that correct? I always suspected that was a made-up name. Uh, Wayne House? Yes. Doesn't it sound just like a lazy <laughs> alias? It's like you're looking around for a last name. Yeah, I'm Wayne. What's your name, sir? My name? Wayne. Wayne. Uh, house. Shrubbery. Mm. Yes. That's all. Was all sound out it. I mean, was did did Wayne do anything that made you think like maybe this guy wasn't on the level? I mean, it seemed like all he did was pop into your life and tell you to be a professional musician. That's well, not that he was a, he right? was a supportive fellow, but he kept trying to give me massages, and that mm. always made me uncomfortable. I did tell him so. Didn't didn't make him stop. <laughs> you Were did they say good massages. Well, he did have good hands. 
Strong hands, big hands. All right, so not all bad. And it never went, to his credit, never went further than that. But, Mm. you know, he was a little handsy. Ah, gotcha. Wayne House, if you're listening, uh, just, you know, lay off the massages a little bit. It's 2019, Wayne. It's 2019, Wayne. Evolve. (laughs) Evolve. He was Uh, not as bad as Biden. He wasn't as bad as Biden. No, he's never smelled my hair, for example. Or that you know about. Because he was behind you That's when true. giving the massage. And I did have long, gorgeous hair. Whenever I'm getting a massage from somebody that I don't want to be giving me a massage, I always insist they do it facing me mm-hmm. so that I know if they're smelling my hair or not. So we're just staring, staring at each other's eyes yes. and they're rubbing my shoulders. You might one day get more than you bargained for. Mm. Ooh, that's a, that's a interesting and uh, vague. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, life is full of mysteries. So uh, I want to know what this conversation was like. So obviously you're saying Wayne House was not a guy that you knew all that well. He's just a, a guy who used to give you a lot of weird massages. And then he tells you that you should be a musician. Like, had he seen you playing around town? Were you... Were you doing live shows? Were you just sort of like fiddling on your porch? Yes, I I would occasionally stand on the street corner right out in front of his house. And ironically, he he had a nice house. (laughs) So I think that's why he chose the name Wayne House. We all came to call him Wayne House, whether or not that was his real name. He did have quite a a remarkably beautiful house, Hmm. which is why I would stand out in front of it more or less all day and practice my singing at the top of my lungs. Hmm. So he had an opportunity to get a taste of what I was capable of doing. The one thing I did not appreciate, other than uh, unsolicited massages, mm-hmm. was uh, he he always wanted me to kind of... He, how did he phrase it? He wanted more grit to the music. He wanted me to sing songs with swear words. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just always sort of gone against my ethos. I did cut a couple of versions of my popular tunes... Because he was not alone in this sentiment. I mean, I had producers later on say the young people want to hear something, you know, more gritty on the streets, something that plugs into the, you know, the hardship of day-to-day life. Listen, if that's what you're saying to Conway Twitty, then, buddy, you don't know Twitty. Well, it's, it's never been my particular... <laughs> they like didn't even joke. want me to write new songs, per se. They just wanted me to weave... In fact, if I may, will you indulge me? I'd, oh, yeah. Wait, please, what, are you gonna, what are you going to sing I'm for I'm just going to give you a little sample of the kind of thing they wanted me to do, and it doesn't feel right in my mouth, but it's it's easier to just let There's you hear it. a lot of things it. that don't feel right in my mouth. Well, we can talk about that in just a moment. So. All right, so this is an Hello. example of yeah, what here you we go. wouldn't I, like I'm to just do. Gonna give it to you it's the kind of thing they wanted me to do mm-hmm. hello darling it's nice to see you it's been a long time you're just as fucking lovely <laughs> as you used to be now see I, to me it doesn't sound it doesn't sound it doesn't right. feel right it, it doesn't feel right in my ears either there's something sharp to it that i just don't think Goes to the heart of the zone. Yeah, I but agree. they swore up and down with a porcupine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that they don't deserve love too, but mm. so. you know, I do have more questions about this, like as far as like the content of your music goes. Uh, but I want to go back over to Andrew Carnegie for oh, just a moment. Right. So Andrew Carnegie, as things are heating up for you in the railroad business, mm-hmm. you make an interesting choice and you start hiring family members. That's you hire true. your brother and you hire your cousin to work under you. And I'm wondering what the what, what, what the purpose of that was. Like, was that, were you just sort of like, you know, trying to help the people in your immediate community? Were you, uh, you know, trying to build a coalition of, of, uh, of yes men or people that, people that you knew you could trust? Like, what was the, what was the plan there? Uh, I like their last names. <laughs> were you saying that? I they just were all what, Carnegie's? Is well, that- I did a blind study mm-hmm. where I asked to give me a list of all the applicants for jobs, mm-hmm. but to remove all the first names. So I looked at the lists, and without knowing <laughs> any of them were related to me, 
I just picked the names I like the most. And it was all Carnegie's. I was like, I li- well, I'm going to like Carnegie more than other names. But did you think that maybe you were one of the applicants on this list? Like, ooh, Carnegie, I'm Car- I, I want to hire me. That it sounds did, great. It didn't occur to me then, but boy, it occurs to me now. <laughs> and I would do great at those jobs mm. if I could be in two places at once. Yeah, oh. I'm sure you would have. And so how did things work out? Like you got your, you got your cousin, you got your brother. Uh, working under you, you know, was there any sort of like uh, sibling rivalry? Did did you maintain those business connections throughout your entire life? Well, every day at lunch, we'd go and have a baseball catch. Oh, interesting. The three of you guys. Yeah, the three of us would just toss around a mound of skin. A mound of skin. A mound of animal skin. This is what was... Balls were hard to come by. Yes, that is what I heard about the time that you were living in. Uh, very difficult to get balls to play baseball catch with. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the money, but sometimes you just want what's homely. That's right. I, for- I always forget how much money you could have had as many balls as you wanted. You know, at this point in your life, that's true. It would have been irresponsible, though. I want to leave balls for everybody in America. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> in America deserves it's all the so balls they want. There's Where a your philanthropy in is, it's There's so interesting because it's like you want everybody to be able to read, you want to invest in education and everything, but there's certain, and you want everybody to have a baseball. But there are certain things that you're like, but money and steel and railroads, ooh, that's for Andrew. That's ooh, for that's Andy. Andy Carnegie. That's that's uh, that's what I get to keep all to myself. Don't you think that maybe your philanthropy should have extended to that, maybe? Sure. You're such a bad little... <laughs> you got me. You're such a stinker, Andrew Carnegie. Oh, and I'm such a nice boy. I disagree. If you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are Scottish-American business magnate and philanthropist Andrew Carnegie. Well, my name's Andy. And 20th century American country singer Conway Twitty. Hello, Jared. Nice to see you. Uh, let's go back over to Conway Twitty for just a moment. So... Uh, obviously, your name was originally uh, Harold Lloyd Jenkins. Yes. You decided to change it to Conway Twitty. Leroy the- Jenkins. <laughs> so, deep cut. What a ref. Uh, Where so- do you think it comes from? Harold ain't amused with that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I'm wondering. So, the Wikipedia says that you came up with that name by looking at a road map and coming across Conway, Arkansas, and Twitty, Texas, and you got your name from that. Is that correct? Well, uh, that certainly is a colorful tale. I I was going to name myself Conway Titty. Conway Titty. But, mm. And then I thought about it. I thought that was a little off color. But I mean, who yeah. doesn't love uh, the female breast? That's right. Small ones, big ones. Nurturing. Doesn't matter. You just want to put them in your mouth. You the know what I'm talking and about? Child. And then people thought, well, it could be construed in a more pornographic context and oh, I, I yeah. thought oh no i don't want that so well, then th- I, that's when i opened up the map you thought back to all the times <laughs> that you were uh masturbating in your hotel room i do like to on fantasize tour or whatever about women's breasts and you're like oh my god th- if somebody heard my last name that could inspire them to uh to erotic behavior and i certainly don't want to do that well and certainly might give them a wrong idea about the quality of my content that's right they and might think that it's porno not, songs it's not per se although do what you feel <laughs> if, you, if you want to have you sexual relations during my music then that that's fine with me as long crazy. as it's consensual yeah uh i yeah. did lo- i was a big fan of your track where you laid out that exact policy and i will say <laughs> i have been lucky enough to make love to someone while you were singing uh that 
oh, if you want to make love to this, that's okay. It's not the intent. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think more artists should Glad put like, there with you. like the, the the ways that they want you we to use. We considered it a three-way just there so are... you know. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, they should, they should be more songs like that. Like, hey, if you guys want to make love to this song, you know, go crazy. Or conversely, hey, don't make love to this song. Don't do it. That's not, that's not why I wrote this. She said, okay. no, you've got to go. Oh, there's something there, I there think. There is something it's, in there. How about something with a driving bass line and kind we of should, a slappy a snare? We should definitely <laughs> write that song. Something like that, you know? After she the said, show. no, you got to go. She said, no, I mean, you I got, got to go. Where's my pencil? <laughs> I got to write that down. <laughs> we'll definitely work on that after the show. Uh, Conway Titty uh, was the original name that you were going for. You settled on Twitty instead. But were there any other cities that you had tried? Because you said it came from Conway, Arkansas, but then, and and Twitty, uh, Twitty, Texas, eventually. Well, I thought about using the name Bruce Springfield. Bruce Springfield. But as history has unfolded, it's rather fortunate that I didn't because yeah. I, I do feel that the Bruce Springfield Steel man, I'm sorry, I got <laughs> just a touch of a stroke. It's there. a real tongue twister. Uh, the 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 Bruce Springfield that uh, y- your listeners may be familiar with has certainly made a, that name very singular to Absolutely, him, so, you know. definitely. And uh, I don't. No one else has even come close to Conway Twitty. I think that's right. There's no there's no uh, Conrad Birdie. Right. Some He's the only one that I can think of. That's a fictional character. Some people might think well, it's a silly name, but mm-hmm. it is. Does have the virtue of being distinct. It I mean, the closest does. I've heard is Bono's shitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's less of a name, singular. Less of a name, more of a sentence, more of an opinion, more of an idea. Yeah, is that Bono, comma shitty? Bono's Bono comma. colon. Oh no, shitty. I thought it was Bono uh, apostrophe s. Oh, as shit. in is. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. contraction for Bono sure. is. Uh, Nailed it, Herod. <laughs> Nailed it. How'd you thank like a you. library? Oh, thank you. Can oh, I? Can it be named a, after me? That's uh, a nice library. No. Oh, God damn it! I died penniless. You can't. I, I have none to give. Died penniless? Come on, Andrew Carnegie. No, no. I you mean, died I'm, penniless. I'm such a nice guy. You died I didn't even penniless. have any money to Gave my it all name. away, did you? Right. So I, you were like, I am dying. I'm gonna give. So, so by the time you were dead. There were there were moments that you were alive and had zero money. Is that what you're saying? Uh, and uh, the exact moment I died, <laughs> I asked someone to give the last bit of money I had. It was doled mm-hmm. out, but people need to remember I'm so nice. But you had that money for your entire life, for the entire time that you were alive and breathing, and your heart was active. There was like five dollars that just said, "The moment I die, <laughs> dear friend, give this away." And I heard that you were you were fucking clenching it like, like a raven's claw. Hands. Yeah. The doctor was like, "He's got thirty seconds left. Take the money. <laughs> Take it." Uh, so let's go back over to uh, Andrew Carney for just a moment. So we're talking all about your philanthropic endeavors. There were a couple that I wanted to ask you about specifically. Please. Uh, so you constructed swimming baths for the uh, people of your hometown in Scotland. Is that right? That's true. I wanted those Scots to fly in the fuck up. <laughs> to what? To lighten the fuck up and swim in a bath. Okay. Now, was that really the number one thing that that poor little town needed was nope. swimming swimming baths? No, were maybe they asking, it wasn't. Were they asking Maybe you? they would have needed some more food and infrastructure <laughs> improvement, but I gave them a giant bath you could swim in. You know, it's been almost an hour, and I think I've figured it out. I think I, I don't think you were a good guy, Andrew Carnegie. I really don't think... I'm such a nice guy. I really don't think you were a good guy. 
No. Uh, you also bought newspapers in England with the express purpose of eliminating the monarchy and establishing a British republic. Now, obviously, now there is a republic, and the crown is more yeah, of a pretty figurehead. Happy how it turned out. Yeah, was that your doing, Andrew Carnegie? Maybe. That's it. You don't have to be coy about that. That's something that we all agree on. That there sure. shouldn't be monarchies. I don't know, but was I supposed <laughs> to do it? What were some of the things that you were encouraging the reporters to write about in your papers that maybe would help hasten the end of the monarchy? Uh, Mostly that uh, crowns look stupid. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. You know what looks nice? A bowler hat. Ooh. You look good with a bowler hat, Conway. Oh, thank you so much. People in government wear bowler hats. Uh, People in monarchies, they wear crowns. So thumbs down on them. Is that what we're saying? Thumbs down on the crown. Go holder for a bowler. <laughs> Sometimes you hope you'll find it and you don't. Uh, <laughs> that's well, a, story. a true word. That is the story of my life. Uh, let's back o- go back over to Conway Twitter for just a moment. So your first big break in music came. Uh, you've recorded a, a, a 78, is that right? That's the right, yes. the ones that had one song on each side. Mm-hmm, yes. And uh, an Ohio radio station gets your 78. They decide not to play your single, I'll Try but they instead play the B-side, it's only make-believe, and that's the song that everybody ended up loving and became super-duper popular. Do you remember the discussion of trying to figure out which of those songs would be the single and which would be the B-side, because obviously it ended up being opposite, you know? Well, yes. In, in fact, it's a rather colorful story. The two men whose decision it fell to, it was not was not me. I was in the room. Mm-hmm. But uh, once I had cut the deal, I, I didn't have too much say-so. I mean, they listened to my opinion. Mm. But the two me- men who had one vehemently felt that uh, that it should be one way, and the other felt the other, and they decided to uh, arm wrestle for it. Hmm, and I'll be, I'll be damned if one of them didn't break the other's arm. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Wow. It, and- uh, they weren't even in- inebriated. They just uh, felt so passionately about which should be which. Hmm. Um, and so it was the man... Uh, the man who lost, uh, it, 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 the wanted it to be the A side. He's the one whose arm was broken, but mm. he got his uh, he got his uh, sweet uh, comeuppance when Ohio decided to play the B side. That's as the right. Train. That's right. He was in the hospital with his broken arm, and he was like, "I fucking right. knew it, man." And the tragic end of that tale is he went to the other man's house to taunt him, and mm-hmm. uh, the other man shot him dead. What? Which at the time was fully within his rights under the law. Oh my oh, God! Wow. Wait, you, you were allowed to shoot somebody for just coming by and saying, "I told you so." Well, he was being rather verbally aggressive. Oh, I see. That, but, uh, he did have his arm in a sling, and I don't believe he intended any bodily harm. But the law's the law. The law's, the law's the law. law. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because if that guy didn't die then by being shot by the guy who was wrong about your single, then maybe you could have hired that guy to continue deciding which ones of your songs would be most popular, right? Yes. You lost me there with this oh. guy and that guy, but I really shouldn't <laughs> well, you tell, tell you their the names. names. You didn't give us any names, Conway Twitty. What one was of them to was do? Bert Cabbage. Bert Cabbage. And the other one was... Cabbage is the one who died? Bob Recording Studio. Bob Recording Studio. <laughs> uh, which one was the one that died? Which one was the one that did the shooting? Uh, Bob shot... Uh, the other one. Uh, Brock, uh, Cabbage was the one that was shot by yeah, studio. Yeah, recording, sh- yes. Recording shot studio. Cabbage. Gotcha. Or, I mean, conversely, I don't know why I didn't think of this. You hire 
recording studio to make that decision and then just do the opposite of whatever he says. You know, in retrospect, I think uh, if we could have made a lot of better decisions <laughs> than we did, but, uh, you know, life kind of just happened to you. It Things just snuck seem up like, on you. They seem like they turned out pretty good yes, for you, though, sure. Conway Twitty. Yes, sure. Yeah, I can't complain. We are uh, we are quickly running out of time here on Famous Dead People. That's actually a lie. We have like five minutes left. Um, I am just like all over the place. I'm off of the map today. Uh, but I want to talk to uh, Andrew Carnegie about a couple other philanthropic endeavors. Please. Uh, so you were a, spor- a supporter of spelling reform. Is that yes. right? What does that mean exactly? Like, what did the world look like back then where spelling reform was necessary? Did it happen? Did it not happen? Like Hard to read, Jared. Hard to fucking read. What do you mean hard to read? Things were misspelled. I don't know what people were trying to write down. So you're saying there was no, like, consistent spelling in the world? Like, you just kind of had to guess what certain words were? Well, if you go on one... I mean, we, we miss up pronunciations, but nowadays, still. But back in the day, it'd be like, you spell school one day way, you spell it another way, another place. Mm-hmm. And just, we don't know what we're agreeing. Is it a school? Old? Is it a school? Hmm. Is it a little bit like color and color? A like little bit, yes. Give some it. of those old English. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I roll with it these days, but my last name's actually pronounced Carnegie. Carnegie. Yeah. Interesting. But at this point, you know, they got a damn hall and libraries named after mm-hmm. me. I'm not going to be the one to tell correct everybody. But I mean, you weren't fighting a war on pronunciations. You were fighting a spelling war. And you Carnegie got, was spelled the same. You gotta pick everywhere. your fights. <laughs> you gotta pick your fights, Jared. Now, since you were a supporter of spelling reform is there a specific word that you were like we should be spelling this word like this and not like this this way is the bad way this way is the good way yes okay come <laughs> as in used to, everyone as would, in come here as in get over here well there was confusion because the amount of times people would ask me to come here and i wasn't sure mm-hmm. what they meant <laughs> And you're like, can you please How often was that spell happening? this? This really seems like you were fighting homonyms more than spelling. Sure. But okay. I, it would help if I know it's C-O-M-E. Oh, you just want me to walk there as opposed to ejaculate in that general direction. Speaking of homonyms, uh, this last one I wanted to ask you about. You donated, you donated $10 million to build the 100-inch Hooker Telescope. And I am begging you, Andrew Carnegie, to please tell me that that is what it sounds like. Uh-huh. Yes! <laughs> You spent $10 million to build a hooker telescope. Yeah, it's, it was a dance shame. We're lucky these days in the age of the internet, but before, not everyone had a hooker in their town. <laughs> so if you go to a telescope just to see a hooker. I thought it was to search the moon for prostitutes. I mean, we, you know, the off time, looking for, you're allowed to use it for whatever. That would but. be for space hookers then. We would call that the space hooker, uh, hooker telescope. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that the sex workers uh, out there would object to our using that word, but you, we got to remember it was a different time. I mean, we used Telegram to it pay a- them in advance, and once we got a green <laughs> flash, we would wave green lights at the back at each other, and mm-hmm. then the show began. Wait, and so then you would just like watch this uh, this uh, sex worker do like a dance or something? Yeah, or? it was it was unfortunately the downside. That you can't replace distance, so it's kind of hard <laughs> to get feedback whether if you like what they're doing. I gotta say, it's kind of hot though. You know, like the addition of distance to a strip show. I'm kind of into it, actually. I think it's a I think it's a fun little kink. You know, I'm so far away. It does oh my add God. a certain uh, layer to the whole experience. I think so too. Now let's let's wrap up here uh, with Conway Twitty, since we're talking about uh, a little bit of uh, sexual content here. Uh, you got in trouble in 1973 for writing a song that DJs thought was too sexually suggestive. Yes. And, uh, and so I was wondering if you remembered 
any of the lyrics from that song, You've Never Been This Far Before. That was a song that people had an issue with. Well, it was a song about uh, anal intercourse. <laughs> and at the time... That's what it's called, You've Never Been This Far Before? Yeah. Okay. And it was, that makes sense. So it, just like two inches, that's how far away? <laughs> it, was, it was not an unpopular sexual act, but I suppose that the thought of putting it on public radio was maybe a step too far. Gotcha. Well, I have some lyrics here from that song. Uh, As my trembling fingers touch forbidden places that tracks, Mm -hmm. I can tell you've never been this far before. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So this was all about uh, an unexplored butthole, basically, right? Well, um, you know, I do try to... My didactic and explanatory songs aside, I I Mm. did try to keep an air of mystery Mm. um, on this particular track. But people saw right through it, right, Conway? Well... I suppose so. (laughs) Well, you know, at least we still have it for the ages. And unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I would like to thank my guests, Conway Twitty and Andrew Carnegie, for joining me in the studio today. Uh, Last question. I know it's a little weird. Do either of you have any uh, comedy shows or comedians that you're really big fans of that you want to tell people about? Andrew Carnegie, anything? Uh, Well, I'm a big fan of comedian Brendan Goggins, and you can see him regularly at the Magnet Theater with his sketch team Newport and his Megawatt team, which is objectively poorly named, (laughs) Thousand Foot Whale Claw. That's the real name, but the team's great. Go check out the team. And uh, Conway Twitty, anything you want to tell people about? Well, there's a new album by a children's group called The Story Pirates. It just came out. It's called Backstroke Rack. Raptor, mm. and I think you ought to check it out. You can get it on iTunes. Or... You know, as someone else who's theoretically a part of that children's <laughs> organization, I sure hope the people that would, half the demographic that would listen to that album isn't listening to this, but maybe their parents <laughs> would recommend it. Sure, it's them. great for you your know, kids. You know, just because you like a show like Famous Doesn't Dead People does not mean that you could not also like a show intended for kids, right? Yeah. Just because you saw Pulp Fiction does not mean that you're not also going to like Inside Out. However, if kids are listening to this, oh boy. Oh no, stop. Oh boy. Stop. And tell it's your parents. Tell not, your parents aimed at children. Take this away from you. Uh, I am, of course, your host, Jared Berenstein. You can check out all my stuff at jaredberenstein.com. If you're listening to this on the radio, uh, find the podcast. All the old episodes are on there, and they're super fun. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I got a bunch of cool videos coming out soon. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Well, Jared, I'm sure I am. I'm going to talk like this and do a little bit of a syllabinesh. All right. That sounds great. And uh, what about you, Andrew Carnegie? We knew a voice from you. Oh, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, Jared. It's, uh, um, <laughs> it's from Quag, fresh. Rhode Island. <laughs> it's right in there. It's right. It's too fresh. <laughs>